0: Hey, Waz. Yes, Nick. What do you call a guy with a rubber toe?
1: <laughs> I kind of wish I knew the answer, but I kind
0: of hope I don't. <laughs> Roberto.
2: Welcome to the Tradies in Business podcast with your hosts Warwick Didwell and Nicole Cox. Divert
0: your phone and grab a brew as Was and Nick unpack tips, tales, secrets and stuff ups from guests both inside and outside your trade helping educate and inspire you to break the cycle of gut-busting and money stress and create a true trade business. Oh,
1: dear, oh dear. Hello, listeners. Welcome to another episode and another Nicole joke.
0: Well, I that one was sent to me by a listener. So, listeners... Ooh. I appreciate that you enjoy my jokes that much. You're making suggestions to improve them. Thank you. Uh,
1: I think we did a survey recently, Nicole, uh, on your jokes mm-hmm. and the podcast. It's overwhelmingly positive. There's some fairly positive feedback about your jokes, but I've, I'm still convinced that it's just, you know, people like to raise you up in you know, <laughs> order to, to lower me down a little bit, just take me down a peg, which is probably
0: deserved, I think. Maybe, perhaps. All right, yeah, so yeah, this is, like
2: one of my sons told me his favorite joke. He said, what is brown and sticky stick? <laughs> 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 the standards of humor in our family aren't that great.
0: Uh, I like that one. I do like uh, that.
1: <laughs> so, um, our guest has just chimed in as well. This is, this is how good the joke fest is. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to jump straight in listeners and let you know who we've got here, uh, in the, uh, virtual tradies and business studio, Jim Penman. Welcome to the show, mate.
2: Yeah, good to
1: be here. I should say welcome back to the show. Now, you were on the podcast when it had a different name and a different um, incarnation quite a few years ago now. So uh, I'm keen to have another chat with you uh, along with Coxie here. And uh, I guess just get your perspective. You, For those who don't know who Jim Penman is, maybe, maybe you should tell our listeners, mate, just give them a quick rundown. Uh, and educate them because I think they should know, but uh, <laughs>
2: perhaps Well, it's, it's Jim's group, Jim's mowing, Jim's cleaning, Jim's antennas and the rest. Started off as a um, one man part time student, lawn mowing business back in nineteen seventy five, and uh, it's got, got a bit bigger since then.
0: <laughs> just a tiny just,
1: bit, Jim. Just a bit bigger, yeah. <laughs> so I think a few people just went, Oh, oh, so this is Jim from Jim's. Yeah, that's right. Which I'm sure you've never had before, Jim. Just a couple times. Well,
0: (laughs) um, Um, Jim, are you just or is the Jim's franchise or the Jim's is it a corporation company? Is it just based in Australia or are you have you branched out into other countries now as well?
2: Well, we've got about just under 400 in New Zealand and there's a few in Canada, so okay, fantastic. Mostly Australia and New Zealand.
0: So, a bit of a shift in direction from the one man lawn mowing company all the way through to what you're doing now that's a lot of lessons a lot of learning to be done along the way around business
2: yeah but the thing I always say Nicole is that it's it's not really one big thing people yeah. make the mistake they think hey suddenly somebody's buying a lawn What's I franchise and suddenly they're a multi-millionaire mm. it's thousands and thousands of little everyday decisions every oh. day of my life how do I do this better now whether it's shaving off a few seconds half a second going around a tree or how to make make franchises want to stay with us longer or, or whatever it is mm. is always looking at what you do and it's just surprising if you make tiny 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 changes and keep on making them you end up with something surprisingly more than what you started with
0: absolutely mm. how's that for a clanger straight up in the first five minutes
2: it's
0: <laughs> fantastic it is so true it's something we often say here actually it's those little changes that make it incremental big change Mm. Um, and I I, I often feel and I I feel there's a real risk um, particularly in Australia we do this well the whole overnight success Mm. and I don't think it's often thought about the journey to get to that overnight success often it's 10, 15, 20 years in the making to have that that moment where it seems to all click. Um, Jim I wonder in those early days what were the first kinds of changes or improvements you were looking to make that really started you on this journey that you've been on?
2: Well, I, I just I had an aim to do an extremely great job and to do it in the best possible time. Mm. But, so those are the two big focuses. For for example, I was one of the first contractors in Australia to have a brush cutter, and, and it came about because I was very frustrated. I want to make a job perfect, and when you're mowing lawns, the hardest job to get right is the edges. Yeah. So I could do the edges you know, along the concrete paths with a with a wheel. That was good. And I could clean it up with my mower, it's like, you know, the left hand side of the mower, it sucked the grass off, but I couldn't get around the, the trees and the clotheslines and stuff. And it used to frustrate me. Nobody ever asked, but it used to frustrate me. And you couldn't do it commercially. It was not possible to do mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. So when I went into my mower shop one day and I saw this gadget sitting in the corner of the shop, I asked what it was. And he explained what it was. And it was just new from Japan. It was Shikitani, one of the first in the country. Wow. I bought it on the spot because I had that that problem, and I would go out, and I would I would do lawns, and people would say things to me like I never knew my lawn could look that good. I'd I just do everything. Everything was perfect. There was a little tiny bit of grass, like a marble, the other side of the front lawn. I'd pick it up and chuck it into the garden. I like, It had to be perfect, and mm-hmm. i always wanted up on time. So I had this unreasonable obsession with making my customers into raving fans, and it's just surprisingly easy to get customers if you do that.
0: Mm, It's been mm. a big focus of our conversations recently. Um, Customer-centric businesses that are looking to improve that customer experience do tend to do super well. Um, It's not hard to create a raving fan, particularly in the trades, I think, because so many people
2: aren't making that
0: the focus.
2: The the standard of competition is is very poor in a lot of times. It's Mm. surprisingly bad. And people get wrong. They think that you've got to focus on marketing. You do need some marketing, but service is far, far more important. Like one of the best things we ever did in gyms as a franchise system is put in a a customer survey system. Mm -hmm. And we started doing that about, I think, about a decade ago Mm -hmm. and gradually ramped up the level of service. The level of complaints actually dropped down to a fraction of what they were because we asked clients directly and put all the processes in place and Mm -hmm. warning letters and counselling and all the rest of it. And a really surprising thing happened when we started doing that is the level of leads started to rise dramatically. You know, in the past, I used to have people knocking on doors to find work for my mine contractors. These days we get hundreds of thousands of unserviced leads a year. It's wow. it's an increasing problem. So just amaze customers, and it's it's quite striking how quickly your business builds. Mm. And not only just builds with numbers of customers, with good customers who don't mind paying you well.
0: Mm. Mm. I can recall as a consumer, uh, it's about 15 years ago now, making a really firm decision that I would shop for service, not for price. Mm. Um, And that's in all aspects of my life, right down to where I go for my groceries or my meat. Um, I'm I'm looking for a particular level of service rather than price. And that was about um, creating better outcomes for me as the consumer. And it has undoubtedly cr- changed the way I enjoy most of the experiences that I have with the businesses that I do deal with. And I think is a great lesson that trade business owners can take. Um, is concentrating on the outcome for the customer will increase then the way they're talking about your business, which naturally increase the lead flow. it's it's a really quick solution in in what is quite a competitive market. And I feel like over the last couple of years with the changes that we've all seen, we've been very fortunate as traders to mostly continue to work. and now we're seeing a bit of a drop off um, slowly, albeit but the inquiries aren't coming through like they have, there's a quick way to make a change to that for your business and that's through concentrating on that experience that you provide the customer so that they are then raving about you and your business to all in sundry and suddenly they're making calls. It's a very quick change to make. Um, Jim, how did you, like I had an experience recently and I was at a, a car show of all things, and in came a Jim's franchisee, and he was a um, Jim's jumping castles, I think it was, or Jim's.
2: The jumping castles is the new one, yes.
0: Is that what it is, yeah. How <laughs> on earth, what's the process look like to create a business model that can be applied to? All- various business models so the the overarching I guess franchise model must be uh, similar for all of the businesses that it's enabled to be applied to from mowing to dog washing to um, jumping castles etc how do you how do you create that kind of model so that it can be reapplied
2: well it's 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 obvious in a way because most of what we do is actually to do with business rather than the technicalities learning how to mow a lawn or clean a bathroom floor, or or even do a pest is is relatively minor. Mm. What really counts is business skills. Mm. And we have a system of software and stuff. We spend about $5 million a year on software development. So it's a huge thing for us, which actually apportions jobs in a certain way. So when a customer rings up, we might have 20 franchises in the area, and maybe only one's taking work or taking that particular service. So we know exactly who to give it to. So there's all this... This technology, which is common to, it doesn't matter what you do, mm. um, customer service, um, all those all those principles are the same. So it's in a way it's fairly obvious. What wasn't obvious in the beginning was that the same brand could cover it. Mm. So when I first started thinking, well, it applies to mowing. That's what about cleaning? And mm. I thought, well, hang on a bit. Mowing is this guy with the beard and the hat, which was what I looked like. It's taken directly <laughs> from photos of me. Mm-hmm. Okay, now. If you were going to do cleaning, nobody would want a guy with a beard and a hat because that's a gardener and it was also a man. So obviously that wouldn't work. So let's try something else. So I started this little brand called Sunlight, S U N L I T E, with little sprays and stuff. So that's a very friendly, clean, woman friendly sort of thing. Women wouldn't mind wearing that. And we tried it, signed a couple of franchisees, couldn't find them work, gave them their money back. Mm-hmm. And then somebody came to me later and said, what about Jim's Cleaning? And I said, well, no, not, not Jim's Cleaning, because Jim's is obviously a mowing brand. This yeah. is a mowing contractor. That's the hat I used to wear when I was mowing lawns, because I, you know, protect my head. And, and you know, if you're going under branches and stuff, it doesn't get knocked off. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a mowing. It's a, it's a man's thing. And they said, no, no, we, we think Jim's Cleaning would work. And I said, no, it won't. Can't possibly work. So they said, we, we're so convinced it'll we'll work that we'll give it a try. We'll do it under kind of a license to you guys. Um, so I said, all oh, right, well, have a go. And it worked. So <laughs> that was just surprising. And and it's a, it's a funny thing that a mowing brand actually does extend. Mm. But what happens increasingly these days, of course, is people use more than one service. It's very common that you see somebody who's got a, a service and you look up and they've, done, they've looked at four or five other different, different services in the past. Which actually makes a lot of difference too because if we see somebody who's used us a number of times, they're they an A-grade customer and we mm. tend to take them really, really seriously. Mm. One of the things that my job actually is if a customer complains about a problem with the job more than once, they send it directly to me as the CEO of the company, which is people find surprising but I do that. And one of the things I will do is I'll look up what jobs they've given us in the past. And if they've been a good client, then we take them you know, give them a bit of extra care and credibility.
1: Mm. Mm. Jim, I want to talk about the the customer-centric business and, you know, we've talked about raving fans and creating uh, an experience for customers that I guess turns them into our sales and marketing team, really. Um, What about where there's staff involved? Because I I see this uh, challenge with our listeners, with with our own clients uh, that we work with, there's there's this mantra that, you know, the customer's first, the customer's is tandem out, and we should be always looking after the customer. But then when we get staff in the mix, um, who do we take care of first? Because sometimes we have to, well, not choose, I guess, as, as business owners, but there's almost like a, well, which one is, is preeminent to the other? So I'd be keen to hear your thoughts on that.
2: Well, there's a saying um, we have in gyms. And actually, In fact, when I sent you an email, it was on the bottom of my of my email. There's a chain. There's a little three-part saying, our first priority is the welfare of our franchisees. We're also passionate about customers. We sign only franchisees and franchisors. We're convinced we'll succeed. So ultimately, if people come first, mm-hmm. and that includes my own staff, my most important people are my franchisees and the people who work for me directly. They're the ones that it's ultimately for. So... You know, when it comes to things like unserviced leads, for example, now it's not good for customers, but I'm not going to ask a franchisee to do a job that's not in their interest to do mm-hmm. because I want to maximize their income first, even if that particular customer gets let down, which we have to say no, which is we do a lot, far mm-hmm. too much, close to a third of the time, which is unfortunate. Wow. But my franchisees are more important. Also, mm. when it comes to pricing, for example, okay, customers would want a cheap price, but my franchisees want to make good money. So we hit again and again: put your prices up, charge more. Mm. If you're knocking back work, add 10% to your quotes. So that's that's <laughs> franchisees first. Absolutely. Now, having said that, of course, the way you keep franchisees busy or you know, staff in, in that sense. Is by giving fantastic customer service. So there's a lot of pressure in the gym system. And, and that sometimes leads to a bit of tension because my franchisees are me sometimes that you're giving me so much pressure over complaints that I'm having mental health issues. Mm. And I say, yes, well, I appreciate that and I feel for you. But at the same time, if I slackened off and some of my franchisees started lacking work, and they couldn't feed their families and couldn't pay their mortgages, that will also cause mental health issues too.
3: Mm. So in the end,
2: you really have to understand that, that to be part of gyms, we want you to be successful. And to do that, you must look after your customers.
3: Mm.
2: And again, what I point out to them too is that if you look after your customers and we do it on an individual basis, you are far, far more likely to report good income and far less likely to report poor income. Mm. So one of the things we look at very carefully is attrition-rated gyms. What is your chance of being in business in 12 months after you start? And we know for independents, it's between the chance of being in business after 12 months is is around about 5 to 10%, Mm -hmm. which is why I have enormous respect for anybody who achieves success as an independent. Now, with us, it's about 88%.
3: -hmm. We
2: lose about 12% in the first year for all kinds of reasons. But what's interesting is when you look at their survey ratings, Whereas the average gym's rating is, is around 4.7, 4.8 out of a possible five. People who leave, the average rating is about 4.2. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm. So
2: at every level, whether they're getting work in or whether in surviving as an individual, it customer service matters, but mm-hmm. still ultimately it's all about the people. Yes. And I, I'd say I put my staff in there too. I got wonderful, wonderful staff at my head office and and you know, we would have no hesitation in firing a customer, refusing to do with them if they don't look after my staff or my people properly because ultimately they're the most important. It seems to
1: be – sorry, Coxie. It seems to be a common thread, Jim, amongst um, quite-unquote successful businesses. I think mm-hmm. long-term businesses who have created sustainable results is they they have a similar ethos to yourself around – I guess in some sense it's balancing the, the um, customer obsession – with the care and concern for our own people, um, but ultimately, uh, when we grow a business, and, and I'm speaking to our listeners who either have staff or are thinking about expanding their trade business to take on staff, um, staff aren't just tools in a in a kit bag. You know, they're they're a team of people that we need to actually nurture and develop and lead um, and defend. And I and I see too many businesses that will almost um, take the word of a customer over their staff uh, and and that's really damaging to the team and the results that they're going to get out of their business long term.
2: Yes. Yeah, you're absolutely right. We have a rating system actually in gyms, as I mentioned, the survey system and, and also complaints and stuff, which can be very serious if you get too many. But one of my jobs, personal jobs, is deleting unfair complaints so if a franchisee can show, I not only tried to ring the customer, but I texted them, which is important, within the two hours that we give them, I will take off the complaint. If they go back to a customer and fix the problem and they can show the customer's happy, I'll remove the complaint. Or if the all gets involved and rings the customer and, re- and, and really recognise the customer as being unfair, unreasonable, they've done the right thing, then I'll delete the complaint. So we, mm. we have to treat people very, very fairly.
1: Mm. Something else uh, that that I want to unpack a little bit more is it's it's a again it's a thought that comes up a lot in uh, our conversations with trade business owners, and I think there's a there's an idea perhaps that if I just do a fantastic job of the plumbing, or if I just do that, you know, if I if I create the perfect lawn for people, that's enough. You know, that should lead me to business success? And I think you kind of alluded to this a little bit earlier as well, Jim. Is there more to it than that? And if so, what, is, what else is there other than just being a fantastic plumber or a fantastic tiler?
2: Well, there's all kinds of things to do with it. First of all, especially in the beginning, you got to market yourself. Mm. Established operators can get in a business, but they don't need it. We have franchisees. Most of them franchises don't take much work, actually. Um, because they are well-established in the beginning. So in the beginning mm. especially, you need to market yourself to find work. It's also very important that you look to your own financial situation. You can have a brilliant franchisee, in our case, who is does a great job but fails because they don't charge enough.
3: Mm. Mm.
2: And that's, that's a major problem. I actually have a lot. We spend a lot more time trying to argue and convince franchisees to charge more <laughs> than we do with getting them to put their prices down. Sometimes when they're very new and they're sure to work and then they are getting a lot of knockbacks and stuff, we look at them and you know, let, let's moderate your pricing. But more, far more often, I was talking to one franchisee, a 10-year veteran, because I like to ring my veterans on their anniversaries, like 10, 15. Those are special people. And I was speaking to one guy, he's a cleaning franchisee, and his average charge was like $50-plus per hour, and he had some clients he was charging like $35 an hour for. Wow. <laughs> without trying to be i said why do you do that he's an incredibly brilliant operator now we would recommend at least 60 dollars an hour at least a dollar a minute for any of our people and this guy's charging below that and every time he said he had a vacancy he'd have five people wanting to move in but he just i mean i have to i love the guy i mean he's just great he just he just doesn't care about the money (laughs) which is okay because he's well off yeah but for people who are not quite so affluent it, it doesn't make sense to undercharge so we actually no. spend a lot of time hitting people about charge what you're worth
3: mm. and,
2: and then a and the minimum of a dollar a minute is what we tell our people mm. um for extras you know more if you're doing yeah. if you're mowing a lawn you know maybe maybe charging a dollar a minute is fine but if you actually clean the gutters you should be looking at a lot more than that mm. So that's that's another problem. It's also efficiency. It's also things like reducing your travel time. It's a matter of having the right equipment properly maintained, especially Mm -hmm. things like lawn mowing. It's also a matter of how you address and how you you speak to clients, whether you make clear what you're going to do. I mean, you can do the best job in the world, but if the client doesn't, it's not what the client expects, you haven't really done a good job. Mm -hmm. Like one of my one of my trees franchisees, he's a brilliant brilliant operator. In one case, he was telling me where he was told to um, given a job to take down his tree, and it was just near the house. And the the customer described where it was. They went and had a look at it, and it was obvious which it was. And he and he did it, and he did an absolutely brilliant job, absolutely totally professional. It was taken down, the stumps out, everything. But it was the wrong tree, so (laughs) in the end, it wasn't a great success for him. (laughs) <laughs> so, oops! So you can't exactly why, put it example, back. you give clear written quotes to a customer yeah. so they know what you're going to do. If you're doing a vacate clean, you've got to say exactly, precisely what you're going to do. Yes. If you're if, you, if you're gardening, you know what am I going to do with the weeds? Am I going to spray them? I'm going to dig them out? Am I going to use a catcher? If not, sometimes it does show a difference. Then yeah. you know, is that clear to the customer? So you've there's an awful lot more to it than just and it's also not just about doing a great job. It's also when you do it. We have far more problems with people not turning up or not ringing back than we do with poor job as such. Only about probably one in six client uh, complaints might be to do with quality of work. Mm-hmm. So it's more yeah. to do with communication.
1: Mm. Mm-hmm. It's all that human stuff,
2: isn't it? You know, yeah. I mean,
1: we joked earlier about social skills and uh, and poor jokes as icebreakers uh, <laughs> as we were going to to record this, but. Um, I, I see a lot of business owners struggle more with the people stuff than with the actual job you know it's like they did a perfect job of of removing the tree but they just got it wrong as to which tree it was you know and that's a communication breakdown mm-hmm. um, and, and often not setting expectations um, clearly with people and I, I suspect that's probably, you know, part of the issue with our, our divorce rates in this country as well is uh, <laughs> going into relationships without clear expectations and then we end up disappointed or one party does anyway.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, and so that, that leads to breakdowns.
2: People are often very deluded on the levels of customer service too. I, I, they just don't recognise how bad they are, um, yeah. which is why our system in a sense is very hard because it does it reflects it back very, very strongly. And, but like, you've got people who are getting warning, even breach notices, who just don't think they've done anything wrong. And that's the problem. They just can't see. They say, but my customer service is great. I do a great job. And it's true. There's no complaints about the quality of work, but it's just, you know, I'm just not always completely up on these things about calling customers back and so forth. But yeah, mm. but you've got to change that. Mm. Or they blame the customers or they they make excuses and they just mm. won't, they just can't see it. it's 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 hard you you've got to be I guess one of the things that I have I'm endlessly self-critical I'm always looking at what I'm doing and saying, how can I do it better what mistake did I make okay this went wrong but no point in blaming somebody else what what could I have done different
0: for all of our clients that are listening that is the perfect demonstration of above and below the line please Rewind, listen to that again. It's a perfect demonstration of how important it is to take ownership of your own behavior and how you've contributed to any situation.
2: We we divide our franchisees into three basic groups. You've got gold franchisees who are always looking to say, what can I do better? Mm. They have what we call bronze franchisees. And the gold franchise is the kind of person that would succeed even as independent. And they tend to be the leaders and they tend to have workers and become franchisors and stuff. Then you have bronze, which are people that can listen when you've actually explained to them and they will follow along, but probably wouldn't succeed in business for themselves.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And then you have lead franchisees. And the lead franchisee is someone who just won't listen. Yeah. They always blame somebody else. They mm. say, well, no, it's not me not turning customers. It's the fact that you should give me more leads. Mm. well you know i should get better support you know they, they will not look at what they do at all and that's why they they tend to fail
0: how do you deal with them jim they, mm. i can imagine that must be a, an issue for the business model how how does the how do you deal with that kind of behavior or that kind of attitude
2: well you you don't give up easily as yep. soon as the person signs if we have any sign at all of that kind of attitude in person who hasn't signed yet even if they've done a full training we will just say no you can't join mm-hmm. once they join you you have a very strong obligation to help them and you just try and you try and you try and in the end they go through the process and breach notices and all the rest of it and and in the end we just have to let them go and they can go and do it independently if they mm. if they if they can survive. It's very hard. It's very disappointing. One of the, That's one of the why in that little three-part thing I mentioned to you, we sign only franchisees and franchisors we're convinced will succeed because one yeah. of the things that you do, you, you try really hard to try and pick it up from the beginning.
3: Mm-hmm. There was one
2: case just recently where a fran- prospective franchisee was just very argumentative and not listening to one of my franchisors and, and, and they were refused the franchise. He said, you can't have it.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And then he, he appealed to me. And I heard the story and I said the I saw it, it's the right decision. If they won't listen to you now, mm-hmm. they're not going to listen to you when you start and, mm-hmm. and things go wrong. Because they'll always want to say, I'm right, you're wrong. And that's mm-hmm. not a good attitude for business. The good mm-hmm. attitude for business is what can I do better?
3: Mm.
0: It's uh it's a big risk to something as big as what you've created, to you know, one bad franchisee or franchisor could really be the undoing I guess so I I I guess the key would be that support that you speak about but also acting swiftly Um, and it sounds like you've created the procedures and the structure to be able to provide Mm. that support and the feedback very quickly so that changes can be made.
2: Well actually I tell you what by the end of this year we've got some new software coming out for individual franchisees which I would I'm confident that will drop our complaint rate by by at least 50 percent Wow! putting in processes and systems yep. and instant feedback if a franchise doesn't actually return a call promptly, um, the ability for clients to book in jobs directly to the franchise history, those kinds of things Just trying to get around looking at all the problems we have with complaints and if we can do that and I'm, I'm confident we will we will see our our leads skyrocket
3: mm-hmm. because
2: the, because the relatively few cases we have, the small minority cases where things go wrong would happen much less often
0: Mm. jim clearly you're extremely business-minded and i'm i'm banking that you've always been this way how did you learn the business lessons that you're now imparting on your franchisees and franchisors
2: um look a lot of it's temperament um i have a um I suppose I'm a, I'm a committed Christian and I have that kind of view that, um, I need to be better as a person.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: We're very conscious of our own failings before God in, in our fellow men. So our fellow human beings. So that, that, that tendency to look from within and say, mm-hmm. what could I do better?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, also things like the way we we consider franchisees as as we consider ourselves to be servants of the franchisees, they're their primary clients that 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 comes back to Jesus washing his disciples' feet that kind of lesson. So there's very there's very fundamental matters of of character and, and attitude mm. that I have that that and and people sometimes ask me, am I proud of what I've developed?" And I said, well, like, in a sense, yes, but it's good to have nearly five thousand franchisees. But the thing I'm most proud of is when I see franchisees and franchisors acting in a similar fashion. Mm.
3: Mm.
2: Like our franchisors are actually amazing people. They will often argue with us about trying to get their franchise fees lower, even though that's their income. Yeah. And during when when they want to, and sometimes we, we think they're take they're, they're overly they're overly soft sometimes. So, but that that attitude, that attitude of really wanting to serve franchisees and really caring about them being successful, I'm. I'm blown away by it. I love it. And when my franchisees help each other, like during the lockdown, when it was terrible, mm. and some franchisees, even those in really difficult situations were helping others who were in worse off, I was so proud of that, when they look after each other. That So a lot of it's just temperament.
3: Mm.
2: And then the things that you're not good at, for example, I am notoriously socially unskilled. I have, I have... <laughs> I've been divorced three times that must tell you some sort of reasons about what a difficult <laughs> person I am and it was my wife's decision not mine basically <laughs> but, but 21 years really happily married now so I finally managed to find someone who can put up with me but I have many serious personal weaknesses that I've got to work on and and and, and challenges to meet all the time how how can I improve how can I do better
1: mm. Tradies in Business was here. Sorry to interrupt your listening pleasure. I'm joined by Coxie, of course. Hello. You may not know this, Tradie or Tradie Wife or whoever you are listening to this program, but we're business coaches. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that feels weird to say. (laughs) (laughs) But we do actually work with people just like you to solve a bunch of problems. And we have this fantastic program called the Tradiepreneur Programme. And that's how we do it. And we do it with a wonderful community of trade business owners who are all trying to fix or improve or change things to progress. Things like getting behind on quoting Coxie.
0: Feeling overwhelmed, behind on your invoicing, feeling really stressed or frustrated about the money stuff. Sometimes you can pay the bills. Sometimes you can't. What about staff? Oh my goodness. Oh my gosh, staff. Trying to get them to do what you want them to do. If you can even find them in the first place. Uh, there's so many struggles.
1: And we've seen clients tackle these things in their trade businesses in a quite a short space of time, to be honest, mm-hmm. during the program and recruit staff at a time where everybody was saying you can't get good staff, mm-hmm. improve their quality from their team, collect their debts much more quickly. We I have sessions.
0: We are not worried about money. We've got enough money in the bank to pay everybody's leave. There's work booked in for the new year. And for the first time in a long time, we'll be having three weeks off and not worrying about the business. That's probably the biggest win of all.
2: Using the cash flow forecast, I've been able to look into the future and see where I'm gonna be situated financially. And it's actually started to have a huge bearing on whether or not I make purchases.
0: By far one of the best things about working with Nick and Woz are the other businesses that are working alongside them. It is amazing how empowering it is to be working alongside like-minded people who have similar goals, similar troubles. We can all relate to each other and everybody helps everybody out by figuring out problems with you that they may have faced previously. Everybody has solutions and constructive feedback, and it's an incredibly friendly, warm, welcoming environment, not threatening at all.
2: From every job, I know that I will get a sustainable wage that's industry leading. I can have at least 10 to 20% profit, and I can pay taxes, super, all of that, and I do not have to question whether or not I can because of the way that it's been built, and that is thanks to traders in business and what they've taught
0: me and
1: what I've learned. So there you go, there's some real people, we did not pay them to say those things. <laughs> and I think that sounds a lot better than Coxie and I reading them out. We really would love for you to check out more about how you could take your trade business to where you would like it to be, surely you have a vision of what things could be like or what you wish they were like on a day-to-day basis, mm-hmm. um, whether that is reducing stress or actually making more money, maybe it's spending more time with the family, taking more holidays, having the choice mm. that you really wanted when you started your business instead of this beast that seems to be there for many of you listening to this program. So if You want to find out more about how we do this through the Tradiepreneur Program. Coxie's going to tell you all about it. (laughs)
0: Free.
1: That's how abundant we are. So head over to the website, uh, check it out, book a chat with us, and we'd love to find out if you'd be a great fit for the tradiepreneur community and start hanging out with some of those people that you just heard from.
2: <laughs>
1: how do you enrol the support of those around you in that, Jim?
2: Well, I'm very passionate about what I do. I mean, I, I guess I guess that tends to rub off on people. They, they people tend to, to look at you and, and pick up your attitudes. And if you're in the kind of thing that says, you know, only my money is important, well, that'll come about. But I, I think most people in gyms share that kind of mission, mission attitude. You know, we're there for a purpose. We're there to help other people. That's our primary objective. And you show by your actions as well as what you say. That, that people matter. Like, for example, you know, there was a case recently. I'm talking about franchising with Gardener Homes, where the master franchisees got to the end of their term, and the franchisor wants to step in and and, and take their business from them, and they're fighting a legal case now. That to me seems incredibly insane. I mean, it, it's just so grossly unfair. Nobody in gyms would ever dream of doing a thing like that. You know, if we terminate a franchisor or a franchisee, or particularly a franchise because their business with a lot of money, and they always give them a chance to sell. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not even in the contract, but though actually I'm writing it in because I think it should be there. But mm-hmm. Why would you even think of doing something different? So when you act in a certain way, when you always show by your attitude and your by your passion that something's important, people will tend to catch up on that. And also the people that are drawn to you are the people believe. I have a book called um, Every Customer a Fan, which we give out quite freely. We, it's, it's all over the place. We just give away copies to everybody who wants it. Because it's a statement of, of my history and what we did and why we did it. Mm. And it's just interesting. Many years ago, a lady called Sharon was she was a hospital administrator and she was thinking of buying a cleaning franchise. And um, but then she thought, well, hang on a bit, I'm an administrator with a white-collar job. Why would I be a cleaner? Because that's kind of like going down in a sense. And then she somebody gave her a copy of my book. And she read it and she said, I like that attitude, that guy's attitude. She never met me at the time. I said, I like the attitude. So she bought a franchise. A few months later, she bought the master franchise. Then she became an incredibly successful franchisor. She's now running the dog wash division and she's a wonderful, wonderful lady. But the thing about Sharon is she really, really cares. She's got the biggest heart you could imagine. And she, But she was drawn, and I often say, if everything, every book we ever got printed just bought as Sharon Connell, it would be worth it. <laughs> she was attracted Probably. to the to the culture of the company, and I yeah. think to a certain extent you indoctrinate people. We call it gymifying them. They come to training. They become jimmified. <laughs> but it's also because you try to attract the kind of people that really believe in what you believe. The, the, this is a mission-oriented company. We're not in yeah. it to make money for Jim. We're in it because we care about our people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Jim does all right. I'm not poor, but it's never, it's never the top priority. No. There's a lot
1: of books in that bookcase behind you for our listeners uh, on the podcast. Jim has an impressive uh, library behind him. So, um, books aren't cheap these days, mate. No.
2: Well, I would I would probably read or listen to two to three books a week, wow. as well as other things as well. I'm a massive inveterate reader, book mm. listener. It's it's mm. great. I'm just just finished reading a book called uh, uh, "Boys and Men," talking about the. The problems men have in in the, in the modern world and so forth. I just love. I love learning and listening. It's 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 fun. It's great.
3: Mm. Mm.
0: Actually, it's something we've been talking about quite a bit also is that curious mind and and maintaining a curious mind, Jim, and how beneficial that can be, not only to you personally with your satisfaction levels and your personal growth, et cetera, but also to your business and the business journey to improving culture within your team, to improving outcomes for clients, et cetera. Mm. Do you think that that's something um, that you foster within the group is that curious mind?
2: (laughs) I try (laughs) to, but sometimes I'll read a book that I love and I'll buy, I'll buy several copies and I'll give them to my he starts to say, you know, read the spread it around. And so somebody just rolls up his eyes and just says, Jim, I haven't even finished the last <laughs> one. You give me. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm notorious for talking about books all the time, but it's good. Look, look, 90% of what I read isn't particularly about business. Mm, um, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, I read anything about business that I can get my hands on, but I read everything, psychology, about economics, about politics, about <laughs> science, about all kinds of things. So it's just, but it is helpful actually. I mean always I'm always coming across situations where where something that I've read, you know, registers in, in, in some yeah. sort of way. And, mm. and yeah. just keep on getting better. I mean, I'm people are supposed to get static as they go I'm 70 years old and I I've changed my mind about so many things over the last 10 years. Some of my yeah. kids can't believe it.
3: Mm. One of
2: my um daughters was just um <laughs> I told her something and she oh, I had no idea you thought that now. <laughs> oh, Happened <that's> fantastic. <laughs> Captain, in that case, I came to agree with what she her position was, but but it was just she, she just didn't know. But I'd read, been reading things and I just yeah. looked at it a different way. My mind is mm. changing a lot. Yes.
0: Mm.
3: Commitment
2: to learning
0: is fantastic.
1: Yeah, and I think that's key for leaders um, mm. in any station, you know, whether we're whether the leader within our family or our business or, or our team or leading our customers, you know, our social groups. Uh, I think great leaders are pliable. You know, they're, they're always, as you're doing, Jim, you know, looking at other ways, different opinions, considering all the, the different arguments for, for anything in life um, and thinking uh, critically uh, and making decisions based on what makes sense at the time. You know, I mean, new information is coming to light all the time. You, you've That's been right. in business there's, since There's the a 70s.
2: wonderful study done by a uh, of the Harvard University in the 1930s has going for eight decades looking at people and how they one of the things they were very interested in is what makes people decide people to be either happy and well or sad and sick in later life and they found there were seven major characteristics one of them was not smoking not drinking to excess proper weight exercise um there was and and the having an active mind was mm. huge it was really really important continuous learning and so forth the biggest yeah. one of all was relationships. That was the number one. But mm. all those other things matter. But having a curious, active mind makes a difference. And this idea that when you get older you have to be s- conservative and set in your ways is is I don't understand it. I I I I'm always a lot of my ideas are pretty loony, I must say, but I'm always <laughs> coming up with ideas. Some of them, some of them actually work out. So you, you've got to you've got to keep on learning and never. Mm. You know, I don't, I don't believe in retirement, I must say. I mean, I, I, my life expectancy, because I'm in perfect health and everything else is probably another 20, 25 years, and I've got a lot to do in that period of time. So you, you can't afford to just stay stuck. Mm. No, You've got to move.
0: Was going to be my next question actually, was about retirement because I can't see a time in my life where I want to retire from what I'm doing. I don't know what I'll be doing in 20, 30 years. I'm not sure if I'll be working with Laurie, but we'll see how <laughs> we go.
2: You might have had your fill of that. <laughs> I might have been. Nicole, let me tell you something. You don't retire because you get old, you get old because you retire.
0: I 100% agree with you. And you see it demonstrated time and time oh, again.
2: Yeah. yeah.
0: So my question was about maintaining that curious mind, the the physical activity, et cetera. What does the next 10, 15 years look like for you, Jim?
2: Well, uh, it, it's exciting. I feel I'm just getting started. Love I mean, that. Look, it's taken me taken me a while because I'm a very dense sort of person, but I'm starting to figure out eventually how to, how to run a business um, properly. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh,
0: I think you're doing a good job, Jim. Well,
2: I can do a lot better. Yeah, I, I make mistakes. I mean, some of the things that I that the I look back on what what I did two years ago, and I think, wow, what a what a fool! Yeah, how could I've been so mistaken about what I did? We made terrible, terrible problems, terrible mistakes that that we hopefully learn not to make now. So. I mean it's it's amazing. Look, we are this this coming year 2023 is going to be so exciting. We're launching so many different things going on. We've got this new software coming, which I believe will be absolutely revolutionary.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: We've got um we've become a registered training organization, which is got which is wow. very exciting actually because mm-hmm. we we need to try and train and recruit people for our not only as franchisees, but also to work for our franchisees because they're desperate for trained workers.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: We're looking at ways of getting people coming from overseas, Good people coming from overseas. There's fantastic yeah. opportunity, places like India and South Africa, people who would make great franchisees. How do we get them in? What courses can we offer? What offers? How can we do that? There is just so many brilliant things that we we can do. And I've got a, a, a scientific research project going that you're starting to produce some really fascinating results. We're looking at ways of you know, curing people from things like drug addiction and so forth, which I think um, has fantastic potential. Just hire a new head who's starting the 1st of February. So that's where my money tends to go, what, what comes out of the business. So yeah. it's just immensely exciting. It's 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 fantastically fun. And I've just had my first couple of grandsons, my, my my children. I've got 10 children, but they're very slow breeders. So my first two grandsons. <laughs> I spend time with them, and that's really exciting too. And I, I love that. And, and as my children start to catch up with their father and start to have a few kids of their own, that's really <laughs> see, there's so many amazing things happening.
0: I love your enthusiasm. It, it's Uh, We're really blessed to be here and we're blessed to, there are always uh, positive opportunities in front of all of us, even in some of our darkest times, there is still always a positive light and it's lovely to hear from someone who, um, you exude that positivity, Jim, you're very enthusiastic, very easy to listen to and it's, I think it's really refreshing um, particularly through what's been a few trying years in business. They haven't been the easiest of years, and I'm sure that there's still some to come, to hear that, that business leaders are still looking for that positivity, a nice way forward, um, and to continue to develop
2: what's possible. The opportunities are extraordinary, Nicole. Mm-hmm. They really are. This is something that frustrates me a lot. People have this kind of fixed idea, you have to go to, to school and just do well and you have to go to university and you have to get a professional qualification. That's the only way to succeed. And you know, one of our top guys, a guy called Dan Carl, he was a he was a high school dropout. This mm-hmm. guy's a failure. This is the bloke that society wipes up. You say, You're rubbish, you're yep. nothing. Went out, got a job, worked in McDonald's, did well there, bought a franchise. He's he, he's in it by this by, by second or third he was turning up just under a million dollars a year. Not only that, but with a 5.0 star rating too, which was really wow. Now he's mm-hmm. sold that, he's become one of our most successful franchisors. I he's this guy's like 26, okay? Wow, the opportunities for people with raw talent and yeah. and drive and ability don't you have to be brain, you just have to somebody who cares about what you do and looks at it and says, How can I do it better? Mm. the opportunities are extraordinary mm. Mm. and and this is why this, this book of boys and men was so interesting is that we do have this one the, the this one way of doing things it has to be through through formal education it doesn't suit everybody some people are just not suited i have a friend who's now a very successful church pastor who dropped out of school at at, um, at the age of 15 and, and became an apprentice, and then and then you know he did all kinds of things. He's just an amazing guy. He just wasn't suited to school. There's mm-hmm. got to be other avenues, which mm-hmm. is why I think your your um your program is fantastic. If it can encourage people to look at these kinds of avenues, because because seriously, the average Australian income is about seventy five grand a year. Now the great majority of our franchisees make more than that. These are people mm-hmm. who mow lawns and clean houses and so forth. Yeah, our turnover um we did a survey recently was just average was about $2900 per week which amounts to something over 100 grand income per annum mm-hmm. in net terms now that's that, that's somebody who's doing jobs that society might look down and despise and say hey you're just a cleaner you're just a gardener you're just a mm. pest controller you know you're not doing something important like you know financial being a lawyer or something like that mm. <laughs> And you can argue which is more important for society. And I don't think I'd necessarily say lawyers are <laughs> we need more of, but
1: well, you won't get any disagreement here, Jim. We, uh, uh, we
2: there's some very, up. very good people around. There's some yes, great there honestly in every I have an employer one, a guy called Andy, he's a fantastic guy. But you get some real scumbags in that profession. Oh, yeah.
0: I have to be honest, my cleaner is probably the most important person in our family. <laughs> <laughs> I could not live without her. She yeah. does a fantastic job of helping our family function. This stuff is so in- integral to um my quality of life. So yeah. I I'm I'm certainly not a subscriber of looking down on anyone actually. Um, full stop. However, I, I understand what you're saying. And I believe that that's been a connotation for many years. I do see that changing though of, of recent times. I see um, a lot more respect being given for the outcome that these people create. Mm-hmm. Um, I, my quality of life would be very vastly different if I did not have some of the assistance I have from um, our gardener to the cleaner, to the people that come and do the cars Without them, I, I, I can't function well enough to do what I do on a daily basis. So, yeah, Absolutely.
2: Yeah. They're a really crucial part. A lot of people can't do these Dream. things for themselves. It's very important to have somebody who does the job well, who's professional, who's organised on time, who's honest. Mm. Those mm. things matter a lot to society, mm. to, to mm. family life. It's also good for people themselves too. I think one people don't recognise is that is that it's not all about money. In fact, I'm very interested in the study of money and what makes people happy. And and having a higher income isn't necessarily going to make you any happier. They actually found, for example, that that commuting an hour to work and back is equivalent to about a $75,000 drop in income, which is Mm. astonishing when you think about it. Mm. But when I talk to one of the things I said, I ring my veterans and ask them about what they were doing before. And sometimes they've actually been doing a lot better in terms of income. But often they're making about the same income, but they say the big difference is in the last ten years. I've had time for my for my family. Mm. Yep. You know, I, yep. I I take my kids to school. I I eat meals with them. Those kind of things. And they said there's no there's no money. There's no income that could have made up for that for that. That's right.
1: Mm. 100%. It's, it's um interesting you mentioned that, Jim. Uh, as the year has rolled over into the new year, um, Nicole and I, uh, I guess, have a look at what our clients have been doing over the, the last 12 months in our business program and uh, the sorts of results that they're getting and they're coming back, setting goals and everything for 2023. And for, uh, well, I don't understand all the reasons, but I suspect it's Nicole's My Values perhaps projecting onto our team, in inverted commas, um, which includes all of our clients. And a lot of them are talking about their goals and their successes and their wins, not in terms of the extra profit they've made, and some of them have mm. made spectacular increases in their profit, but what they're actually talking about is the fact that they took four weeks holiday over Christmas for the first time ever in business. or. You know, they're they're making a commitment to pick the kids up from school twice a week, and this is the the dad who's normally out on the tools, you know, busting his backside, and um, and and they're the things that people are valuing more and more. Is is the you know the stuff of life? It's what life is actually all about. Sure, we need money to to live in uh, in this modern world, um, but having all the money in the bank, as as many of us, I think we know the theory, but in practice a lot of us get swept up in in the the bs on uh, social media and mainstream media around what success actually looks like so mm-hmm. it's fantastic to, to speak to a business owner such as yourself well it's, um, it's
2: the biggest the biggest mythology is that you make to become happy you need to have more stuff mm-hmm, you yes. need to have a big better house a bigger car better clothes they've actually found that there has no relationship to success now, mm. money is good in some ways, for example, but it's much better spent on experiences. Yes. Like mm. if you're going out to with friends, people this kind of thing, or going on a family trip or something, that's actually a lot more positive. The most positive mm. thing you can do with money, strangely enough, is to give it away mm-hmm. because that you there's something you're involved with. They say that makes, creates more happiness. Yes. They actually did a little experiment, when, when this is on many, where they gave people some money, small amount of money, and they had two instructions, either spend it on yourself or spend it on somebody else. And then they looked at the results. And the people that spent it on somebody else were far happier mm. than those who spent it on themselves, which is interesting, isn't it?
1: Mm. Mm. See, money can buy you happiness. You just got to give it to other people.
2: You just got to spend <laughs> it in the right way. <laughs> there, there, was a, there was a wonderful saying that goes, no other success mm. can compensate for failure in the home. And, and I love that. So I love true. That. And I live by it. I, I take my, my son, his, my 13-year-old son, my youngest son, to school every day and pick him up from school. And that's the time we just talk. And mm. during the holidays, we go out for lunch quite often.
0: That's and
2: nice. that that's more valuable than anything.
0: Yeah, mm. absolutely. And oh, the wonderful
2: man. thing about my job is that I've always been able to do that.
0: Mm.
2: And yep. I'd never. It's not worth nothing. Nothing is worth losing your family. Nothing is worth losing your best relationships too.
0: No, I agree.
1: That's right. Well, I don't think I'm I'm going to bother asking you my usual question, Jim, which is, uh, you know, one piece of advice for our listeners, because uh, <laughs> you've given so many pieces of advice, I don't think we could boil it down. And again, I'm looking at all those books on your shelf and thinking, I reckon you've read every single one of them.
2: <laughs> well, that's true, but that's only sorry, it's only a fraction though. It's mostly on my my iPad these days, on my phone. You know, this 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 thing here is 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 chock full of talking books, and it's yeah i don't know but it's it's good it's good people actually it's very accessible these days it's mm. one of the things um as a trader you can do and i would have loved to do it when i was knowing law especially if i could have, we had the battery miles in those days there's listener stuff all the time yeah. you're driving between jobs you can listen to something That's and you right. can always always learn more there's mm. wonderful stuff around there's 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 podcasts like yours podcasts are fantastic there's so much good stuff around that you can you can listen to and 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 sometimes it repeats itself but then then you hear a thing again and again and suddenly it sort of sinks into this thick head and said okay yeah but i do need to do this mm. you know even little things you know one of the things i started doing recently is talking to strangers now that might seem odd but i was reading about it and i was reading about people given this little experiment you know go and talk to strangers and they were they all thought at the beginning that would make them feel worse and they, they thought it would feel better so just in the past few weeks I've been trying this. So I go to the supermarket and I see somebody with a little baby. And I say, oh, you know, isn't that a beautiful baby? Or so angelic. So isn't that great? I just think, thought like that. Mm. Or I was taking out ice creams and there was a lady at the same thing. I was like, it's good stuff, isn't it? But not good for you. We just had a little life together. It's a funny thing. Now, that's just something I started in the first month. I've read about it. I thought I'd trial it out. And, and it's good. That's mm. good, and my son, who's with me, thinks I'm pretty weird. How can you do that? <laughs> it's just a good feeling. I felt good about it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's Some thousands of little things that you see and you try, and 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 and. Lately, I try and make more effort to make contact with people proactively instead mm. of just waiting for them to talk to me. So I see my all kinds of things, always trying new stuff, learning new things, trying new ideas, always looking and saying, how can I do this better?
3: Mm. Mm.
1: Well, you've, you've, uh, you're going out to thousands of ear holes, Jim, with this episode, so you'll be having an impact on uh, many more people than just the the person in the shopping centre. So hopefully, yeah. we can be a part of that mission of yours, mate, to to spread well, I, the knowledge. And, and I, I the, love uh...
2: podcasts. I think they're, they're I think they're great. I think it's a mm-hmm. great what you do. And 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 tradies are so important. It's such an understress. We should be proud of what we do. I'm you sorry. know, during the lockdown in, in Victoria, it, it it infuriated me the way that the premier treated. Independent tradies, as if we were just Mm. garbage. You know what he said in that in that I don't know if you remember in the in the the press in the in the um the press uh, what do you call it the the event where he actually said what he said was even though the guidelines for health and human services said sole operators can work, he got up and he said you can't get your lawns mowed or your houses cleaned. Now, what's interesting about that particular statement is not just the fact that he contracted his own department and threw 100,000-plus Victorians out of work for what had not been no good reason at all, mm-hmm. because there's no health advice behind it, but the fact that he said you can't get your houses clean. In other words, he wasn't thinking about people who did the job because they're beneath contempt. Mm-hmm. They're just the garbage out there. I was thinking about the important people, the people who actually can afford to get the work done. Now, isn't that an appalling attitude? This is the guy who Absolutely. doesn't even think that the people who do the job are even human beings or worthy of consideration. That really, really caught my goat, and it still <laughs> makes me angry. I can tell. You are and in I'm... good
0: company.
1: I'm going to stay very quiet, Jim. Otherwise, I'll hop up on the soapbox <laughs> with you, mate.
2: <laughs> but it's good. I, I appreciate it too. I know a lot of people, trainees, actually come up to me and they congratulate me and thank me because I spoke for them as well. Yes. I mean, my my people, my franchisees are my top priority. They're my tribe, my my family. I am. Mm passionate about them but but also the industry as a whole you know Mm. we are important we matter what we do is worthy of respect Mm. It's, it's just as important as people who are financial advisors and accountants and and lawyers and the rest of it it really matters to society what we do and, and
1: I would argue even more so, Jim. I mean, it, there, there was a there's a slogan that was coined years ago and it still floats around, without trucks, Australia stops. Yeah. And I actually think we should change it to without tradies, Australia stops because, you know, accountants aren't going to be able to go to their office and, and move money around and tell tax stories if the power's not working or there's no water and, and sanitation services or building services, you know. I mean, it, the the trades uh, and the services are essential to the way we all live our lives. And yet there's still this derision um, of them in the media. And, and Nick and I mm. get on our soapbox about this quite a lot, the tradie bashing, you know, and, and yeah. I would include all of your franchisees as tradies, as, as yes, trades, of course you know, we are. they're all service trades. I'm
2: proud of it. And I'm a tradie myself. Mm, I yeah. actually spent 10 years at university getting myself a PhD in history, but I'm a tradie. That's my business. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah, my yeah. livelihood. And it's, yeah, and it matters. I, I yeah, there is something wrong with the way we look at it. It's like there's a prejudice to get people who work with their hands. I actually got calluses on my hands, and I'm proud of it because I go out gardening on my farm at the weekend and digging ditches, and I love having calloused hands. I think that's a, a great thing, the idea that somehow white, white-collar white work is superior. I told my kids, actually, I said, look, if you want to go out and, you know, be a plumber or a cub, I would back you 100%. Now, they all hmm. want to university and stuff, but I can't get through them but still it, it's 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 a great it's a great career it's a great way forward and i'm i am incredibly grateful for the fact that i never got a university post my ideas were too wild and radical to have any chance of that <laughs> so i had to turn my part-time law and business into something great but what a great life that's given me yes how much opportunities i've had it's been it's been absolutely wonderful
1: and it's incredibly tangible um and i and i my personal belief is that um, those things done with our hands are so much more fulfilling from a, a mm-hmm. personal point of view you know in terms of um, what my, my wife as an occupational therapist would refer to as meaningful occupation um, they're all things done with our hands yes we're using our minds whether it's playing a musical instrument or weaving a blanket or building a, a chook house or whatever our, our chosen meaningful occupation is something done with our hands is tangible and it's very fulfilling to do that. and I, and I think it's a fantastic occupation to to be in the trades because we we can stand back and admire our work. Um, but my past life in, in finance, you know there was really I could stand back and admire other than the fact that you know there was piles of paperwork on a desk. Um,
2: it's, it's, it's great work, it's healthy. It gives you an opportunity to have a flexible lifestyle, which is great for family. And if you really want to be successful, I tell you what: there's a lot better opportunities in the trades. There's a wonderful book called "The Millionaire Next Door," which is about mm. Americans mm. and looking at what the typical American millionaire is. And they are not a lawyer or a doctor or a financial advisor. They're they're especially tradies. Mm. They're people like me, with fairly basic. They were describing one situation where they had a meal set out for these millionaires. And it was all this caviar and rich food and everything else, and this guy didn't want it. But he just yeah. wanted beer and a hamburger <laughs> and stuff. And barbecue. But it was the, it was the journalist that ate all the fancy food because yeah, that was yeah. the kind of thing. But the people <laughs> who were trades who come up from nothing who learned and actually often had very simple tastes. Yeah, that's one thing about me. You know, you know, this last three months ago it was the first time in my life I ever bought a new car because I wanted an electric one, and it was wow safer and I, and I really believe in that kind of stuff but i've always had old cars i buy my clothes from came up and went until i got ho- holes in them I, I, if i go out i love going to a local pizza jo- pizza joint i mean it's just i just like a normal lifestyle yeah. and i and i having huge amounts of money in that posh upper crusty i don't like it mm. it's not good there is there is the everyday life of an Australian and I think tradies have got that in spades. It's a fantastic way to make a living and a making a future. And I wish more of our young people, especially the kids, the boys, would look at this and say, hey, there's a real potential in this. Mm-hmm. I can be something great. I can have a I can be a great father. I can have time with my kids. I can provide a good life livelihood for me. And I can succeed and I can do whatever I want to like like Dan Carl. And I can do mm. so much if I want to. All right. Like one of my one of my favorite franchisees is a guy. He works three days a week. He's a mowing guy in Adelaide, he works three days a week. You know what he does with the rest of his time? He goes out and spends time with the homeless. Hmm. Wow. Goes out and just talks to them and finds out what they need and just listens to them and then sees what help he can give them. Isn't that a brilliant lifestyle? Yes. What a fantastic thing. He couldn't do that if he was working five days a week for some corporate soulless giant, could he? No. He does it because he's got his own business and he can put his resources where he wishes to. And also the other thing too is great. When you're in the trades, they can't make you retire at 65. <laughs> they cannot. You've got your own business. Who's going to fire me? I mean, some people might like to, but honestly, <laughs> in my business, they can't do it. And I'm going to work until, I'm, until I drop, uh, probably yeah. in my 90s, okay, because, because it's my own business. That's the great yeah. power of yeah. the trades. What well, can you offer that? My mother was a school teacher and they forced her out at 65 just because you work for the government. But you can't do that to a tradie. No.
1: Jim, I could listen to you and your opinions all day, I reckon. Uh, but uh, I'm sure you've got plenty to do as well.
2: No, it's um, a pleasure. I, I, ha- I love talking about it, it's, it's, it's really fun. And, have and, you got
1: any, yeah. any final thoughts you'd like to share with our you know, independent trade business owners that, that listen to these episodes every
2: week? But well, people, I just take my hat off to you. I really respect what you do. It's not easy to get going; it isn't. But what you're doing is a fantastic thing, and and you succeed, you are you are great. You are great mm-hmm. people. You've really done something extraordinary. But I have to say, if you ever decide to make it easy and come across to gyms, I'd be I'll do everything I can to give you a free venture. <laughs> <laughs> I love that we'd love to have you with us. But God the, bless you and the pre-educated and all the best of success.
0: Wonderful. I love that. Jim, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for your time today. Okay, you're welcome. Thank you. Very grateful. You've been listening to the Tradies and Business podcast with Warwick Bidwell and Nicole Cox. Find out more about today's guest, tools for your trade business and other cool stuff at tradiesandbusiness.com.au